we welcome you to another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdahl, C70. It's about at C70 on Twitter with me, as always, Tara Wellman from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. Um, we've had a week of baseball, mostly. Um, we had a little bit of hiccups at the very beginning of the week with, with testing and such. But for the most part, the Cardinals are playing games that, we don't really get to see, but if you follow the right people, you can find descriptions of five different times <laughs> on your feed. Um, and I don't know if you look at St. Louis, Tara, right now, I guess it's pretty easy to say we're, we're reaching a bit of normal and all systems seem to be go for opening day. Yeah, it's a little strange to try to figure out how to digest anything that's going on right now, especially after the drama of the early testing rounds and so many teams, the Cardinals included, that had to put workouts on hold and missed tests or, or lost tests or whatever the case was there. And there were a lot of different ver versions of that story early on in the week. So yeah, it was a bad start. But I also think that in large part, we all sort of expected some missteps, shall we say, along the way. And the unfortunate thing is, I sort of chuckle in saying that, but the missteps we're talking about could be pretty serious for some people in this mix. So it's not a good look to have as much trouble as they did to sort of figure out have trouble finding answers for people as to why it went as poorly as it did or how to prevent that. And look, the reality is in a lot of places where baseball is happening right now, they're still having issues with things like this, right? The mm -hmm. Padres had some guys test positive uh, and then Tommy Pham has decided that quarantine doesn't really mean anything to him. So he's just going to wander around and show up to the field anyway. So <laughs> there are issues with that kind of rule following, but then there are guys who the Royals had another catcher, which I'm pretty sure is all of them, all the catchers that they have have now tested positive. And thankfully in most of these cases, there aren't symptoms associated with that, but it does mean that a catcher who was able to transmit this, virus was playing for an entire inter-squad game and there is no real protocol for how to handle that. So that's the kind of scenario that we're going to continue to see. Uh, there was another, I don't remember, maybe the Giants where there was a member of the coaching staff that, I think it was a, uh, okay. All right. So it was a pitching coach, I believe. So then yeah, they couldn't wrong. basically use all uh, they couldn't use any of their major league starting pitchers because they all had to, you know, be retested and all of those things. So it's just, we knew it was going to be complicated. We knew it was going to likely not go smoothly in a lot of respects. And we also have talked about this a lot that even in this massive health and safety handbook, these are the kinds of situations that there's no there's no plan for there's no clarity on what you do when this happens because then all of a sudden you lose access to your entire starting rotation or you potentially expose you know an entire team times two if you're a catcher and every guy that walks up to the plate is in breathing distance so the cardinals are in perhaps the fortunate position of not having a whole lot to deal with on that front at this point but i i guess my general point is that they 
this can happen anywhere. <laughs> and uh, I don't think we've seen the end of the the complicated nature of what they're trying to do right now. It, I mean, that really gets into what I, one of the things I want to talk about was, you know, you and I talked last week, and some of us have talked in general, on this idea that there were a lot of positive, not a lot, there seemed to be a pretty good, actually lower than you would expect, but still a number of positive tests in this intake period, which made sense, right? Like we said, that wasn't a big deal. You know, you've had people out in the world and you, you catch it now, all that. But now we're seeing tests, positive tests, after this, you know, supposed bubble has been sealed around them, that the players are supposed to be following these things. Is there, I mean, that to me, that raises a lot of concern that, you know, this isn't working as well as they thought it was going to be. Now, so far, there haven't been any huge outbreaks. Like you said, you saw Houston with their pitching coach. They were careful. And it was even, he was like, he might have been exposed. He wouldn't necessarily test positive. You had Araldus Chapman test positive with some symptoms. Um, it's not spread throughout a camp or anything like that, which would be, you know, probably the end of the story to some degree. But seeing these kind of infections, I mean, this was what this whole 113-page health and safety protocol was supposed to stop. And it seems very concerning that we hadn't even gotten through the first week, and we're but we're into this bubble type of situation, and we're seeing this still flare up. Yeah, well, the reality is all along, two things had to happen pretty seamlessly for this to work. And the first is for MLB's testing plan to go off without a hitch. And that is clearly not the case. And I don't <laughs> anticipate that the early debacle is the only time we'll see problems there. Because if you look around the country, testing is still yeah. kind of a disaster. So it's not an easy process. It's not an easy thing to get done and to manage efficiently and carefully and accurately in large groups. So that had to be in place. And hopefully after that first round, they are in the process of smoothing out some of those glitches. But, you know, the point remains that had to happen and it didn't. The other piece of it was that the players had to be absolutely responsible for following the guidelines for themselves, for their teammates, for their family, for the people they're around. Media had to do the same. And the the reason I brought up the Tommy Pham thing is that he basically decided to ignore the protocols. And he said, well, this the city health department told me that I was clear to, to go. But the rules set out by MLB, agreed to by the Players Association, is that he has to wait till he's cleared by Major League Baseball to break that quarantine situation. Right. He didn't. Right. He went to the field, signed some autographs, did an interview with a reporter who also, by the way, should have been more responsible than to do that interview with a player that hadn't been cleared to return to activities. So both of those pieces of the puzzle have not been followed to the letter of the law at this point and have not worked flawlessly, which is why there's still room for hesitating about whether or not Major League Baseball and all 30 teams can actually pull this off. Yeah. And not to be, not to mention the fact that, you know, Joe West comes out with a couple of interviews yeah. this week where he basically, 
he's not saying the coronavirus is a hoax, but he doesn't seem to be as concerned about it as he should be. Um, which then made you wonder how much he was going to pay attention to the, mm-hmm. the protocols and follow them. Now it was very, <laughs> very telling that the umpires came out with an umpire association came out with a statement and said, yeah, Oh yes, we're all going to do this. You know, <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll keep Joe in line. Is this basically what they were trying to say? We'll see if that actually happens. But I mean, there's that concern too. I mean, if, you know, we talk about the players and we talk about the media and all that, but the umpires have to follow this as well because they're going to be the ones most likely to spread it. I would think, I mean, just because they're going to be standing behind the catcher for yeah. however long, um, they're going to be on the bases and, and things like that. They're more likely to do that. And we'll see if they're wearing masks or anything like that. Wearing, wearing masks on masks is going to be difficult. I would think for these guys, <laughs> yeah. but we'll see how it goes. Well, and they're also um, flying on the same charter flights as the teams and yeah. staying at the same hotels because those are the only places that they, they're, you know, bringing into this bubble. So where in other seasons, the umpires have been apart from the teams in those instances, this is just another way that they're going to be right on top of each other. Is that hmm, interesting? I, I will be interested to see how it, how that all works, because if they're flying on the team's charters, does that mean that they're going to see like the same umpires for quite some time? You know, how I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, that schedule out, but yeah, I don't know how the logistics work because I mean, if you're in Milwaukee and you know, maybe maybe you see you know Milwaukee, they're in Milwaukee for the Milwaukee Cardinals game, and then they fly with the Cardinals to St. Louis, and then they fly out of St. Louis with whoever this. I don't know. Yeah, weird. I mean, it's like you'd see the same umpires for two series right. in a row. <laughs> it's just better than seeing them all year long, I guess. But probably, but maybe interesting. Um, but. You know, there was, uh, was an article on Sports Illustrated this weekend about the testing plan from Emma Bacciarelli. Is that the, you, you would probably know better than I how to say her last name, but that's what I'm going with. Works for me. Um, <laughs> um, and not only does she bring up a lot of this stuff, it also about the idea that maybe the testing isn't as accurate. I mean, they're doing um, saliva testing instead of nasal swabs because it's easier. Um, and quicker and things of that nature. But then it was what Joey Gallo, I think that tested positive through that and negative twice on, uh, you know, got his own test at our lab and they came back negative and he still can't play because he had the positive test through baseball. But that makes you start wondering how, how accurate those are. But then also, you know, they've created this lab and I know they've got another one now at Rutgers, but they basically took their steroid testing lab and turned it into a COVID lab. And the question was raised in this article, now that test, you know, cases are spiking throughout the country, is there a moral obligation to, you know, put baseball to the side and use that to help process tests for everybody else? Because that's what baseball's saying. They're not taking away any tests, but right now, and they've added their own, you know, testing capacity. But should they then maybe offer that testing capacity to some of these other labs that are kind of... Um, you know, swamped with the rising cases. Yeah, it's such a strange dichotomy to look at this insistence that we need sports back. And Mm -hmm. then the response that says, okay, but why do athletes get special treatment? And that's sort of the balance that they're trying to find, right? Is that, yeah, it's great not only to bring sports back for the morale boost that everyone likes to talk about, but let's be real. I know firsthand that a lot of people work 
and make mm-hmm. a living and survive based on the sports industry, right? We're not just talking about, we want there to be games on the field because we like to watch them. We're talking about a lot of people who depend on this industry to survive. And mm-hmm. that is important. That is significant. It is meaningful to bring that back in a way that allows for some sort of stability to be achieved by a lot of people who work in that that business. But it is true that to test individuals every other day, while there are people like in my county that can't get a test right now, mm-hmm. it feels a little fuzzy when you look at it from the right or wrong standpoint in where you prioritize what's happening. So I don't know that I even have a great answer to that, except to say, I get it. I get why there's this strange feeling about prioritizing athletes over other people in order to get baseball or basketball or hockey or whatever else in a position that it can return even though there are much greater consequences of eliminating sports seasons altogether than just not having the entertainment value of them. I don't know that that really solves anything or that I really have an opinion stronger than that because I guess I guess coming at it from the perspective of like, I'd like to work again at some right, point, right. Um, it's hard for me to say, well, yeah, they should just shut it down and um, ignore sports until – everyone can get all the tests that they need. It's hard for me to say that because of my own bias in the situation. But I totally understand this idea that, man, that's a lot of tests. It's a lot of lab time. It's a lot of processing. It's a lot of manpower. It's a lot of resources going to a relatively small group of people in comparison to the challenges that the entire nation is dealing with right now. Yeah, and again, you, I think you've really got to commend baseball for figuring out a way, at least on the surface, to do this, to do the testing, to do everything without taking away from the what what is actually available to everybody else. I right. mean, they've added this capacity. Um, but that said, I mean, also on the flip side of that, you've got guys that and people that aren't necessarily used to testing like this or reading tests like this. You know how. How accurate are you going to be? How confident are you going to be in these results? And I guess, um, I mean, that's just going to be something we'll have to to have to wait and see on. Um, you know, and again, hopefully it all works out. And you're right. I, I I don't know that the baseball has an obligation to then take this what they have created and then turn it over to general society. But I can understand the argument for that too. Um, like you said, so. I don't know. It's it's a it's a it's an interesting thing to see. And you're right. It's not just baseball. I mean, what uh, basketball starting at the end of the month, like a week after baseball starts, mm-hmm. hockey starting supposed to start back at the same time. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of testing going on in various places that are not, you know, not for the public. And we'll see how that how that goes, and we'll see how important that is because if as we have this continued debate about you know kids going back to school in the fall there would seem to be needed to be added testing possibilities there as well yeah. and um so i, I don't know it, it's a it's an interesting situation it's one that we're going to have to just deal with because this is a this is a season that we can talk about the baseball all we like but that's not going to really be the main focus of the season yeah. i don't think it's got to be the health 
Well, in two respects, right? One, that there's this larger context in which baseball is happening, and we can't ignore that and accurately tell the story of this season. But Mm -hmm. two, I mean, like I said, the Royals don't have a major league catcher right now (laughs) that is not... To be fair, you could argue some years they haven't had a major league catcher. That's also true. But (laughs) I I think we're looking (laughs) at scenarios where whether it's the Astros and the fact that their entire rotation can't pitch right now, or Mm -hmm. if it's a team that ends up with three or four guys who test positive, and then you're bringing in these minor league players that haven't ever played at that level. It's going to be the driving force of every storyline this season most likely and because of the larger context yes but also because of the very minute kind of minutiae of working your way through this scenario with all of the the ups and downs and twists and turns of trying to do anything during a pandemic, right? We're, we're all facing that in different ways. It's, this isn't something that's exclusive to baseball or to sports at large. We're all having to figure out, oh, that's a thing I used to be able to do. Now I have to be really aware that when I go to the grocery store, I'm wearing a mask and I'm staying away from people and I'm, or I'm ordering groceries and picking them up or, you know, whatever it is. So we're all having to make those adjustments kind of on the fly as we figure out how to, continue life much like baseball is trying to continue baseball and it's going to impact every part of whatever becomes of the the 2020 season in multiple ways it's it's a layered uh influence that all of this is going to have and you know i think as far as we're concerned as far as people covering this season are concerned you can't really just ignore it you know I know there are people who are trying to just cool baseball is back let's talk about baseball and to me that feels like a really misleading way to talk about this season because it's not happening in this sort of isolated all we need to talk about is baseball kind of reality yeah and maybe somewhere down the line we will. I mean, again, yeah. right now it's very difficult talking about baseball in general anyway, because it's glorified practices. So, <laughs> you know, how do you, how do you really discuss this? But um, yeah, it's going to hang over forever. Now I have just come up with something for the Royals. Okay. Here we out. Player manager, Mike Matheny. I've heard several people say that. And a friend of mine who lives in Kansas city sent me a tweet that evidently Mike Matheny has already said he's not going to do that. But yeah. it was a good idea. I mean, to be fair, I mean, if there's a guy that screams denier of fun, it's yeah. often. <laughs> that but, is true. Yeah. You know, but again, in, in, to be fair, and I know you've sh- shown this in, in your Twitter feed and I've seen it in a number of places. There's no doubt that he's been one of the better ones leading this yeah. charge um, about, you know, he's had the disease. He kind of knows a little bit about it and he's taking it. You know, they're taking it seriously in Kansas City and they're, you know, they're, we'll see. I would be, it's a little bit surprising to some degree that they're having this problem because the leadership that he has shown and the example that they've been setting through the top down would seem to, to seem to be stronger than a lot of what we've seen in other places. Yeah, which is slightly ironic considering the number of positive tests they've had in that organization. So, yeah. I don't know, lip service is one thing. Actually following through on the actions is is squarely on the shoulders of the players themselves. But yeah, it, it's also a situation. Look, there are people who don't even know how they came across anyone that was 
able to to transmit the virus and and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So it's not all about being super irresponsible in life. <laughs> Part of the trouble with this thing is that it's kind of silent and you don't always know where you came across it in some respects. So, um, but as far as Matheny is concerned, yeah, I've been pleasantly surprised by the way that he's discussed it and the way that he's, and I guess some of that comes from Matheny was that guy that in some respects was the, you play injured kind of guy. Um, now, as far as concussions are concerned, he was again surprised, pleasantly surprisingly, that was a weird way to say that. Um, (laughs) generally on the side of, hey, we need to be more careful about this because there are very real lasting repercussions of that. So maybe this is sort of in that same vein in the sense that, you know, he's seen enough and he's become aware enough of the possibilities of this being a long-term problem for some people that, um, you know, he's not afraid to act and speak uh, in light of that. Yeah. Um. So if we are to talk about the baseball, which again... <laughs> oh, right, there is that. <laughs> yeah, supposedly. Um, you know, it's very difficult to do right now. And we've said this a number of times with some... Not only with the fact that the only thing you get to see are these press box videos where there's players on the field because you can tell they're... We you know, think? Got uniforms, but <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's amazing. I don't think you really realize just quite how far away the press box is uh, until you get that kind of kind of angle. So there's really not much you can gain from that. Um, there's not a whole lot I don't think you can gain from five tweets that said Brett Cecil struck out Dexter Fowler or whatever, um, <laughs> even though he just drew a walk. Let's be clear. Um, but... <sighs> I don't know. Is there anything you've taken from this so far? Cause I, I, again, I haven't followed it as much. I'm interested to see them start to, to live stream it this week and maybe actually see these players. But I just don't think I can take a lot from them playing against themselves. And playing against themselves in some version of what looks like a baseball game, but isn't really calculated like a real baseball game. I think Sunday uh, there were multiple times where they just left the field with two outs. And it, as it turns out, was more about pitch counts and that was something they'd agreed upon. But then there were extra runs on the board, which seemed like they came from that scenario, which they'd determined beforehand, but nobody knew about it. So uh, it's, look, as someone who has sat in a press box and tried to write about a game or cover a game. I understand the, the, the efforts being made with all of the tweets and the pictures and the videos, but man, it's so hard for those people to do their jobs right now (laughs) Mm -hmm. because they don't have the access that everyone's used to. And they're not always informed about the, the oddities of an intra squad game that you would normally see in spring training and not think twice about. Um, And at the same time, you know, just like we always say about spring training, there are some scenarios that aren't real game scenarios. They're this guy needs to throw a few more pitches scenarios. So you don't take a whole lot from that. I don't think, I think the, the new sidearm, mechanics from Brett Cecil are the kind of thing that you can take from something like this just in Mm. in going oh that's new but that's about it I don't think you take into account you know how many hits someone has or 
how many times somebody's walked or whatever. You look at Carlos Martinez and see that he looks sharp. That's great. It's good to see that. I think that that's where the commentary really ends in light of how much do we take away from these outings. Now, the next week or so, obviously, I think it'll start to look a little more like real baseball to some degree. Because much like the the end of spring training, you start to see guys kind of focus in a little bit more like they will once once the <laughs> once their opponent isn't the the guy next to him in the clubhouse yeah. or maybe not next to them. Maybe they're very far down the hall at this point. Who knows? Um, yeah. I'll, I'll pause to say uh, props to the Red Sox for taking full advantage of their stadium. Uh, if you didn't see it, they turned their suites into locker rooms. So they're yeah. two guys to a, a suite and that's it. So they're all assigned a particular place and they're far away from each other. Like great way to make use of their stadium space in light of this situation. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think you look at it as any more than that and notice some interesting scenarios or, alterations or whatever but you know at this point it's hard to it's hard like literally to see anything else (laughs) um but it's also hard to feel like any of it is worth spending a ton of time analyzing because it just doesn't quite matter yet in that in that way yeah i um i i agree it's difficult to to understand what is going on. Um, and uh, sorry, I had, a, I had a thought. It was gone. Um, it wasn't important anyway. Oh, um, it's also difficult to, you know, if the pitchers are looking really, really sharp, then you start wondering, is it the pitchers or is the offense going to be a struggle? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, vice versa. You know, it's, it's hard to, when you're playing yourselves to, to judge that without the, the other side of the coin of saying, Ooh, maybe it's going to be rough on this point. So, um, I don't know. I think that it'll be interesting. I mean, I just, you get down to actually, um, playing real games if they can get there. And again, we continue to, to say that. And I think we're going to say that. I don't think we can guarantee until, until the last pitch of the world series, that the season is going to actually finish. Um, because if there is a second wave coming, this is pretty bad because we hadn't got through, you know, the first wave is peaked back up. So these things could be bad, but, um, you know, we just wait and see. Um, it's, it's still for me a little bit difficult to get excited about the season, maybe in part because we're not sure, maybe in part because of what we're not seeing and, and the competition that we're not seeing yet, but, um, we'll see. I, I, it's all we can do. We should yeah. wait and see. Yeah. It's just, it's as unknown to all of us as it is to anyone else at this point. And I think Alex said it a couple of weeks ago on our podcast uh, for birds on the black. And it was kind of like, you know, you don't want to build it up too much in your head to be let down again. So at mm-hmm. some point you're like, cool, I'm glad that you think this is going to happen. I will believe it when I see it. <laughs> and then maybe I'll let myself be a little bit entertained. But with this constant thought in the back of my mind, this might be the last day I get to see baseball for a while. <laughs> yeah. Every day it's going to be the, this might be the last time I get to watch a game. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a definite concern there. Um, and, and we'll have to, to see how it goes. Um, as for the team, you know, they're still got, they still don't have everybody in camp. I mean, right. There's still the idea that the Giovanni Gallegos, especially, I think it's the biggest, he's the biggest one for this season. Maybe Hennessy's Cabrera too, um, to not be in camp yet. I mean, Gallegos was good chance of him being the closer um, until Jordan Hicks was really, really ready. Now he's still in Mexico. Um, Cabrera and Sanchez and Montero need another negative test and they can join the the group. But, you know, I think there's some interesting decisions to be made, right? I mean, because if, I don't know if Gallegos has options. So if he shows up for camp, you know, sometime next week, you know, does he have to go on that 30-day, the 30-man roster? Because, you know, otherwise, I don't guess there's any other proof, but then he's definitely not ready I don't know, maybe it's a COVID, maybe you can use the COVID IL for that. I don't know, but there'll be some really interesting decisions made in the next week or so, probably. Yeah, the guys that still aren't there are definitely in a weird position, and as is the front office, trying to figure out how to work around some of those things. And obviously, the first priority is making sure that they're safe and healthy and taken care of in that regard. But it is weird, this this sort of mystery around the COVID IL and some of those details. And I understand it. You know, when you start talking about someone else's medical history or their health, that's not a thing that you generally are comfortable with making public. And I get that. And so if a guy doesn't want his name put out there as, as someone who is on that COVID IL because he tested positive or because someone in his family did or whatever the case is, I get it. I can respect that. It just creates this strange air of uh, more unknown, I guess, more mystery in an already very mysterious season. So as far as some of the guys that aren't there yet, uh, now there's just so much, so much lack of clarity in what the reasons are for that, right? Whether it's they were somehow exposed to someone who was, tested positive for COVID or they themselves were one of the, you know, that that fourth mystery case with the Cardinals that no one knows who it was or whether it's travel issues from Mexico for Gallegos or whatever it is. So there are a lot of reasons that we just don't know a lot about what's going on in those situations. And that's why that's why I say, you know, you can't talk about this season without the context of all of this because there that's all going on, but the very baseball reality is they're not throwing pitches to hitters right now and they're not a part of the mix in figuring out who fits where on an opening day roster and with the limited time they had to kind of make that case or to provide some clarity to the organization then to have that all but stripped away entirely, I don't know how you just insert someone like that, especially when I feel like Gallegos would be the exception. He pretty much proved himself last year as far as his effectiveness. Um, But you start looking at some of those other guys, whether it's Cabrera or even Reyes, who is still a complete mystery at this point. um, Mm. You can't just insert them into a, a, a roster and expect them to perform. And as much as we'd like to say a lot of these guys continued to do their work while we were all waiting <laughs> in the shutdown, that's not, you know, you can't expect 
to just throw guys into the fire uh, once they're able to to rejoin the team like that. So I don't know. I don't know exactly what all the, the <laughs> loopholes are in moving guys around on the, the roster and in and out of the player pool like that. But it's definitely it's definitely just another layer of complication for what the Cardinals plans were. But that's every team is going to face that at some point, right? That they had this plan in place and all of a sudden, whether it's because of travel issues or it's because of COVID specifically, they're going to have to adjust. And I think Mike Schilt even said it at some point this week that he feels confident in this team's ability to adjust, but that's going to be the true test for managers and for front offices as well is adjusting kind of on the fly as these things develop as we go along. Yeah. Just to be a little bit normal, Brad Miller has heel discomfort. (laughs) Um, You know, apparently it's just a day-to-day thing and he'll be fine, but it's just kind of nice to have a semi-normal. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think Dexter Fowler has a back thing too. So, you know, Oh, is that why he has him? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, (laughs) That's great. I mean, it's it's nice to know that it, you know, it, not everything is is virus right, related. Right. And <laughs> hopefully, they're both back on the field. And and Dexter, you know, Dexter's kind of in a tough situation if he yeah. has some, you know, if they have to put him on the disabled list, which it doesn't sound. I mean, I don't know that they, it's that bad, but you know, there are a lot of outfielders, um, <laughs> yes. and they would like to have a spot for trying them out. So. They might not hesitate to drop yeah. him on the IL if, if necessary. And that was true before all of this, right? There there right. was conversation about what, what to do with Dexter Fowler all winter, much less right. when you start adding a fired up Dylan Carlson to the mix in the early version of spring training. Um, so yeah, that, that part of it does feel very normal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's still the discussion is, uh, you know, I mean, there's, there's four outfielders, and then you've got Justin Williams and Austin Dean on the 40 man. I mean, the idea of how the 40 man's going to work in this pool, you know, are you willing to take somebody off of it knowing that they'll probably not, you know, they probably just get lost to you. Um, I don't, I don't know how all that's going to work. It's going to be kind of interesting to see the transactions this year, but um, anyway, um, hopefully you know, next week we'll have a little bit better idea of what's going on. Probably not, but we can pretend. Um, but we until then, do. That, that's right, typically. <laughs> so, uh, but until then, that's Tara. I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.